Coming up right now, the newest episode from Carr, Gwyn, and Ode on Three Pagans and a Cat. If we could destroy custom at a blow and see the stars as a child sees them, we should need no other apocalypse. Welcome to Storytelling Apocalypse, the 49th episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening today is courtesy of 19th century writer G.K. Chesterton. You may call me Ode. You can call me Carr. I'm Ode's father. Mary Meat. My name is Gwyn, Ode's mother. And we are just back from Michigan Pagan Fest. Um, Pagan Fest. <laughs> Pagan Fest. Pagan Fest. <laughs> that would be why. Uh, and my voice is all fucked up. <laughs> I think all of us are a little hoarse from all and the talking tired. and yeah. tired. I've, I've spent the day pretty much on the cat. Or on the cat. On the cat. On the couch. <laughs> with the cat. With the cat. I spent the day on the couch with the cat. Chilling with the cat. Who, um, who missed much, us. Who missed us. He was meowing and he has pretty much not let me out of his sight all day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Interestingly, I think, I think this is kind of cool. Out of all of the stuff we recorded at Michigan Pagan Fest on YouTube, mm-hmm. 108 hours was watched. Yeah, wow. which is a lot. That's yeah. a lot. That's, uh, uh, that's not 108 hours of recording. No. no, no. But that's cumulatively the people who have watched the, yeah. the yeah. streams. It's 108 hours, so that's 6,500 minutes. That's, that's amazing. too many minutes. That's too many minutes. Yeah. <laughs> but it, that's amazing when you consider we don't have a huge presence on YouTube yet. We're still growing there. So it's, Susie it's says, cool. I just watched for four days and I'm exhausted for you guys and for me. <laughs> That's we fair. Have, and we appreciate you guys who, who watched with us, who commented, who asked questions. Mm-hmm. Yep. It was great. It was really, really great. And we had a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the ones that like nobody was on because I did it late at night. Mm-hmm. But if you all want to go back and watch. Yeah, the archives. Corvus Nocturnum, who mm-hmm. I interviewed, was a great great interview. We talked about his publishing company, Dark mm-hmm. Moon Press, and then we talked about the Church of Satan because he's yeah, a... Right. He's uh, a member. He's, me- a, he's, a, he's a priest yeah. in the and Church, the Church of, Satan, of Satan. Satan, and he's also their media relations person. Yeah. And I haven't even watched that interview no, yet I because either. I was, uh, we were at a I was with Gwen at a ritual. Yeah. So. And so uh, we are going to, probably not until tomorrow, but we're going to get everything into a playlist so it'll yeah. be easier to just... On YouTube. On YouTube so that you can just go to the playlist list and see all of what we recorded for Michigan Pagan Fest all four days. We just encourage you to check it out if you didn't get a chance to watch us live because mm-hmm. we had fun and uh, we, we had lots of interviews. We had lots yep. of really interesting people that we interviewed, yeah. including some walk-ups. Yeah. yeah. Yep. A couple so that was people were, a couple were brave. Of, a yeah. couple of kids who were adorable. Yes. yes. Some very yeah. cute kids. Because <laughs> uh, Michigan Pagan Fest has kids programming. Yeah. It's a family-friendly so. event. And the kids have a program that they go to all day, mm-hmm. while parents can go to their programs. Yep. Yeah, it was really, really cool. Mm-hmm. Our, our class speaking with symbols. Oh, wow. was packed. It had <coughs> what forty people in it. It was yeah. so packed. Yeah. I I kept asking, like I asked, I confirmed three times before we started class. Like, are you sure you're in the right place? Is this? Is speaking with symbols the class you want? If not, no shame, no no harm, no foul. Go find the class you want. But no, they were all here. Uh, our Sunday class had, <laughs> we had about, a, 10. about ten people. About 10, yeah, yeah. For, for building your book. And the very first class we did, monikers and metaphorical spaces had three, three. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But we were up against some really tough competition with that one. Yes. <laughs> well, I think Celeste pulled a lot of people. She did. That she did. Class. Celeste. Uh, it was interesting because her class was about coming out, be it LGBTQ mm-hmm. or pagan Paganism. or whatever. Yeah. And our class was about hiding it. Yeah. 
Yeah, how to stay in the well, room closet if you got to. We, if, if you have to, yeah. yeah. But we did give suggestions we covered on, We covered both sides yeah, of that. We covered right. both yeah. sides of that coin. But yeah, no, it was. we had a good time. The rituals were great. It, I was just glad we were able to be there. And Phyllis Karat, oh my God. Yeah, yes. that woman was amazing. Amazing. We have about an hour-long interview with Phyllis Karat in the archive. a little bit more yes. than an hour. Yeah, yeah and, it was, an hour. and it was really, really good. And we could have talked to her for hours more if oh, she yeah. didn't have anything else to do. Oh, well, yeah. If her, uh, if her assistant, if assistant yeah, had been, been like, like Here's the time. The ever efficient. <laughs> you have Twyla. things to do. <laughs> and and then um, Phyllis and Maka Maka yep. Nightmare yep. also they led a ritual yep. to bless the waters specifically night. the waters of Flint. Yeah. yeah. Because as many of you I'm sure know Flint, Michigan's water still a hot mess. It's still a hot mess. So that was really meaningful to all of us. I yeah. think. And it was interesting too. I think for me in that the, in the closing writ that Nathan King did. Who we yes. Also oh God, Nathan! What a what a <laughs> He's a joy Nathan. to behold. Yep. He really is. Just a I joy, love Nathan. He's very person. He's great to be around because he, he just like radiates good energy. He does and like uplifting positivity, like yep. relentlessly. You can't be in a bad mood around Nathan. You King. cannot. No. No. You cannot. His closing ritual was basically a follow up yep. to yeah. that ritual on Saturday night because he was one of the guardians. Yep. Uh, he was the guardian of the east. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, During that writ. And so. speaking of that writ, I actually was one of the... The offerings. Offering. Yeah. And so I have a little bit of the sacred water that I'm going to be taking to, to Lake, Lake Michigan, Michigan to yeah. do a ritual as a completion of the larger ritual that we had. Yep. There you go. So Everybody who... Everyone uh, who was one of the major the, participants yeah, in the gotcha. took some sacred water to, yep. to do with... To as continue, they saw fit. As they mm-hmm. saw fit to yep. continue the spell and As they and were the so led. Yeah. You and Pat ought to go do it together. I don't know if she's going to do Lake Michigan, but I'm... She probably got some too. Yeah, she did. She did. Yeah, I don't know so. what she's planning to do, but yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll talk see. about it. Yep. We'll talk about it. Okay, so housekeeping things. Do we have any new patrons other than <laughs> our illustrious <laughs> Bill, Bill L, L. Yeah, our new Jaguar, <laughs> who, who won a Jaguar? Yeah, uh, we didn't talk about that. So. On- so there's oh, a no. raffle at Michigan Pagan Fest, and we put in a years-long Jaguar level, Jaguar level membership. membership to the podcast, which gets you, you know, access to the Hunter stuff, so they get access to the patron questions under the recording channel. Every <laughs> month they get a three-card reading from me. Yep. And a piece of art that I put on the Patreon locked to the Jaguar level. Yep. yep. And they don't get anything from me. No, nothing no. special from just, Car. Just nope. your your goodwill and intentions. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> and your attention in the uh, in the Discord. That's right. Right, yeah, I pay attention yep. to the Discord. Absolutely. Susie says, I appreciate the coverage. Next best thing to being there. Everyone you talked to was awesome. So interesting to listen to the big ones in the community. Yeah, it was really great. I was surprised by how many of the of the big names we were able to get to sit yeah. down with us because yeah. they were so busy. They were. I was convinced they wouldn't have any time to sit down with our right. like That's podcast. Right. We had hoped that Baba Teddy and Lady Kate. Unfortunately, they were just too busy to yeah. because they, they were, were slammed doing everything. Yeah. But and we didn't really have a official sit down with Utu, but he surprised us. Yes. With a beautiful gift, he came. We were recording and he, yeah, we were just doing one of our just usual streams. doing one of our usual things, and he came and surprised us with a voodoo doll as a gift mm-hmm. for just for supporting him for supporting his book and he wanted to support us in in kind with yeah. a, a protective voodoo doll so we just we bless him for that and we yeah. thank him 
him. We love Vu too. Beautiful. He's such a nice guy. We do. Yeah. He is yeah. such a kind soul. He's about the kindest person. And he's I've met. so like chill. relaxed. He is. He's yeah. so chill. Between Nathan's true. joy uh-huh. and Utu's chill, chill, you just you just are always in a good place around these people. <laughs> and then we had an apology we had to do yes. to Mother oh, Multiverse. Gosh, Mother yes. Multiverse. Mother Multiverse. Sweet, sweet girl. Mother, <laughs> Mother Multiverse came to us, was teaching at Michigan Pagan Fest, and came up to the booth and told us um, she had been listening to our previous Michigan Pagan Fest yep, coverage. Report. Coverage, yep. report. Back when, you know, we went to Michigan Pagan Fest and, and then just we came re- back just and said, like, here's what it. we did. Yep. And she taught a class there, too, about superheroes, mm-hmm. which I vaguely I'm I, like I've been vaguely recalling what happened. We should go back and and listen and listen and see what exactly we said. <laughs> but we said something in kind uh, of hurt in, in that yeah in that episode that that hurt uh, Mother Multiverse's feelings about how I wasn't going to that class. So we apologize to Mother Multiverse uh, mm-hmm. in the stream, and we apologize again here in the official podcast. We certainly didn't mean to to cause any upset. No, or hurt her feelings. Hurt any feelings. Right. And we never intend to do that when we're we're talking about teachers or, no, I'm just, or anyone. Sometimes I'm just tactless and get going very fast. Sometimes, sometimes it happens, and so um, we just wanted to give a shout out to mm-hmm. Mother Multiverse. Uh, but she we did. Has some we did. Interesting, yeah. interesting course. We talked to her yeah. about the about the class that she was teaching at Michigan Pagan Fest. None of which I was able to attend. I attended one class the entire weekend. I yeah. made it to two. I did not make it to anything on Saturday. <laughs> Saturday was by far our busiest. Oh, we day. were so busy. We we had we had podcasting. We had our class that we had to teach speaking symbols. And then, right and then immediately after our class, we had uh, the ritualist panel that we needed to moderate. And then a couple of hours after that, Gwen and I went to the ritual that was happening at mm-hmm. the same time, which I participated in. Yes, so. That was Saturday we was wild. busy, busy, busy. Yeah. But that ritualist panel was, was really yeah. interesting. Yeah. yeah, it really was. They they had some. There were some great questions that were forwarded, uh, including one from someone in the Pride. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then their answers were all yeah, very really, good. really yep. good. Yeah. We wish there had been a way to stream that. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. the like Wi-Fi and that power situation over happen. there just wasn't would not have worked for right. us to stream directly from the ritualist panel. That mm-hmm. said, we've solved that for next year. Yeah, next oh, year yeah. we yep. we have some we talked to the coordinators and hopefully next year we're going to have a better setup for being able to do that. Yep. Mhm. Absolutely. So. And again, we just want to give a big huge huge shout out yeah. to the uh, to the teams, the team of Michigan Pagan Fest, Leanne, Celeste, Moira, Moira, Morgana, Morgana, everybody and all the volunteers, the volunteers. Yeah. yeah. All the people who did the cooking and yep. I mean just, they took great care of us. They yeah. did. They were absolutely wonderful and we love you all and we thank you for inviting us to be part of your event and part of your family yep. yeah yeah we've basically been told that we're now stuck <laughs> and that we have to come back every year oh. akaneko says the snake oil class by mother multiverse was good i intended on just going to it because i wanted to sit and her humor was so entertaining that i really enjoyed the class yeah yep. yeah, yeah we uh, really we really wonderful. enjoyed talking to her on the, on the stream so hopefully we'll be able to actually attend one of her classes, yeah. yep. so or we'll maybe watch. we'll be able to do like a like an, uh, an official our community episode with her at some yeah. point oh, yeah, if we can, yeah. yeah, like if yeah. we can, she's if we can organize something magician. like that. Yeah, which yep. I don't know that much about chaos exactly. magic. All I know is that the sigil crafting method I use is based on chaos magic. Yeah. But that's all I know about chaos magic. So exactly. it would be super interesting to but, talk to someone like Mother Multiverse about that. Yep, exactly, exactly. Do we have any new? Patrons? No, we have okay, no new. Just patrons. Bill. Bill is our only new patron. Yep. who won. 
this raffle prize that we put up. Yep, and was very. And there were so many raffle prizes, you guys. There were like three hundred items. Oh my god! Yeah, Yeah. the raffle went on. The raffle went on for like two hours. Yeah. But a and then lot of money was raised for PIN. Yes. Well, yes, yeah. The PIN did over $1,200 in money in raised sales and sales. and donations. Yep. And yeah. Yep. Um, plus two and a half or three big ass tubs of food. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yep. Donated. And then we, they did a raffle after the raffle. Yes, an auction. An auction for Grandmother Elspeth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Grandmother Elspeth was at Michigan Pagan Fest. And um, she had some health issues she, and she had a long way to travel. Yep. So to thank her for coming to Michigan Pagan Fest because she's one of the elders of the community. Yep. Mm-hmm. So to thank her for coming and to help facilitate her getting there mm-hmm. and back and everything. An auction was done for these beautiful, beautiful mm-hmm. pieces of art, yep. which Akaneko aggressively bidded for some of them. Yes, but, yep. but someone else outbid her. <laughs> yeah. But $757, I think, yeah, was, was, raised. was raised for Grandmother Elspeth between yep. the auction and then the donations afterwards. And that, right. that doesn't count the extra 154 yeah. what are they, machete yes. that Baba yes. Teddy decorated. Baba yeah, Baba Teddy decorated uh, four, I think, machetes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they decorated more than that, but some were yeah, given but, away. Yeah, but some were given away, and, and four off. of them were auctioned off. And I think they auctioned off a couple of tickets to the Witches Ball. To the Witches Ball. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. So there are a couple of things coming up if you live in the Michigan area you yes. should probably know about. Mm-hmm. Is that we're going to be at Detroit Pagan Pride mm-hmm. That's on in August. August the 3rd. Yep. We are looking at some other things and as we have confirmation on those we'll let you know. And then also the Witches Ball uh, which is a great thing. We went last year and had an absolute blast at it. And it really is like just a ball. There's a there's, uh, little a bizarre a bizarre like a beforehand bizarre. and then you get you take some time out you go get dressed for the ball yes. as it were and they have music and, and they have music food. and dancing and they had and boy last year yeah the the fire they spinning had a boy yeah. dancer yeah, yeah belly yeah. dancer it was, yeah. it was great yeah, yeah we was, had a lot of fun so hopefully we'll be doing that again this year yep we were asked to uh, remind people of something that's going on in Port Huron uh, which we didn't know about but we were made aware of it while we were at Michigan Pagan Fest so September 28th, which is a Saturday, at Port Huron Township Memorial Park, there is going to be the Harvest of Knowledge, which is the Blue Water Pagan Conference's autumn event. It's hosted by Entwined Paths and the Port Huron Area Pagan Community. And it's it's a pretty short event. It opens at noon and it closes at 5.30, but it's got free admission. It's got a vendor pavilion. It's going to have a bunch of classes and workshops, and it looks really interesting. So we're actually, like, Port Huron is a bit... Four hours from us. It's a bit of a trek, but we're considering trying to get out there because it's not until the end of September. So And just hang out. Yeah. So, But at the very least, anyone who's in the Port Huron area consider looking into this because it looks like it's going to be pretty cool also september 14th is the ann arbor pagan pride day Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is coming up pretty quickly pretty quickly (laughs) (laughs) considering how fast june went pretty quickly right that's true and it's held at the washtenaw community college in Ann Arbor. So if you get a chance to make it out there for that, and I believe this is actually run by Renewal Coven. Oh! Um, yeah. yeah, so... Renewal Coven actually uh, ran the Labyrinth at Michigan Pagan Fest this year, which yep. I availed myself of. And if you've never had a chance to walk a Labyrinth, 
I highly recommend that you do it. It's a very deep and meaningful experience. I want to thank all of the members of our Pride and the people yeah. who are our supporters are, you know, on Patreon, our patrons, because it's because of them we were able to go to Michigan Pagan Fest and yep. not have to worry about paying our hotel mm-hmm. or anything like that. And yep. so we just thank you so much for supporting our podcast yep. with your donations every month. It's just it would be extraordinarily <laughs> difficult for us to manage these kind of events mm-hmm. without your guys' support. Yep. And let me just say we are about a hundred and seventy dollars. <laughs> yep. Or away. $180 away from going weekly. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so when we hit $750 in Patreon support, we're we, at like $575 right yeah, now. We'll, we'll switch to a weekly <laughs> we'll schedule. We'll switch to a weekly schedule. I'm becoming increasingly resigned to the fact that this is going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> the coin says, I just bumped up my membership. We can do weekly. <laughs> Yep, and that's really what it, what, uh, you know, we're getting so close to that first membership goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it really does, we're not, it, it's, we're not just saying that, it really does. Make it makes a huge a difference. Huge difference yeah. And allows us to do these kind of events. Yeah. Yep. So, again, huge thank you to our patrons. You made this possible. Yep. Pretty much single-handedly. Single-handedly. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, because it's... Uh, Between them and the incredible generosity of the, the, of the organizers Michigan of Michigan Fest. Pagan yep. Fest, we were yeah. able to go and do this without worry, without concern, and have an absolute wonderful time. Mm-hmm. And actually have a little bit of money left over when yep. we came home, which Yeah, so amazing. that we weren't, you know, starving. Right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Susie yeah. says she can't believe it's episode... 49, neither can I, neither Susie. Neither can we, Susie. Neither can I. Crazy. I did spend virtually all of my personal money at the vendor's club. <laughs> yes, that did, did happen. We did And spend we will money. be reviewing those things over the course yep. of the next few episodes. Yep. over the next few episodes we'll be letting you know all about Yeah, them. we'll have to do maybe several at a time. A couple yeah. at a time, yeah. yeah. Otherwise we'll be here for a year. We'll be here forever. <laughs> okay, so now we're finally going to get into the episode. So, this is a storytelling episode. Yep, we're because, being a chill. Yeah, we're, we, need, we needed a chill Although, episode. you know that Ode cannot be chill when telling I just, stories. I just get excited. <laughs> um, for us, that is chill. Yeah, that's chill for us. I get to tell wild <laughs> bullshit. Yeah. Um, so, but we're not going to be doing our segments. Again, just reinforcing that. So when you don't hear an Ode Stone Corner scream... Don't be surprised. Um, but we are going to be doing a review for Rana's Husband's Incense. Yep. Somewhere in the middle here. Somewhere right. in there. Gwyn, would you like to begin with I the first will. apocalyptic story in your library? I will. I thought, you know, I'm going to look up and see what kind of apocalyptic tales there are out there. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that a lot of cultures do have some kind of end of the world story. However, what I what I discovered is that there are two types. There are the types that are linear, which are generally the Abrahamic Judeo-Christian type of stories. Mm-hmm. And then there are those that are cyclical, the majority of the other religions <laughs> out there. And the one that I thought was really cool that I wanted to talk about first was the epic flood adventure hmm. from the tale of Gilgamesh, the story, you know, the, the, the epic, epic, of, the Gilgamesh. epic yes. of Gilgamesh. And so what it turns out is, and I'm sure you're familiar with the story of the worldwide flood, it does happen it's to create, it's a common story in, in many cultures, including Judeo-Christian Bible, but it turns out that um, the story of Gilgamesh, it happened 5,000 years ago, mm-hmm. is when this tale was written. Was written. Mm-hmm. And so they're saying it's probably one of the oldest mythologies that we have 
on record. And this is the Sumerians. There we go. This is this is the Epic of Gilgamesh from the tale from the Sumerians. And what happened was there were like seven gods who created the world according to the Sumerians. And they decided they didn't like the human beings. Does that sound familiar? The humans were being beings were getting up being to shenanigans. Yep. And so they got together and decided they were going to flood the world and destroy everything and start again. Well, there was one god named Ea, and he felt bad. So what happened was Ea leaked the story mm. to... The Ut- first WikiLeaks. I can't say this name. Utnapishtim. This guy <laughs> who tells Gilgamesh, Gilgamesh the secret story about the gods. And their plan to cause the flood. Mm-hmm. The god Ea told this to uh, Udnapishtim, told him to destroy his house and build a boat. Mm-hmm. He said, regardless of the cost, it's important that living beings stay alive. Mm-hmm. So just build this boat out of your house, no matter what it takes. And so our hero, because I can't say his name, did this. He destroyed his house, you know, pulled mm-hmm. it down, and he built this ginormous boat at Ea's command. Our hero builds the boat. He gathers as many people as he can into the boat, and as many living creatures as he can into the boat. He actually gets carpenters and reed workers and other people working together to build the boat, and then one day they... He outsources. Yeah, they, no he outsources. The boat by himself Interestingly, the boat was 120 cubits in length. Sounds suspiciously familiar. (laughs) Yeah, it says the sides of the superstructure had equal lengths of 120 cubits. This sounds suspicious. And the boat had six decks divided into seven and nine compartments. So anyway, they they made sure it was fit for travel, and they got everybody on the damn boat. Like you do. (laughs) Yep. And then the time arrived, and it is stated that the god Shamash, I guess he felt bad too, (laughs) he actually closed and sealed the door Ah. to the boat. Does that sound familiar to anybody who knows the, the other familiar tale. Yeah, yeah. And then so early in one morning, darkness descends upon the world. Storm clouds. Storm clouds arise from over the horizon and the weather is terrible and frightful. And so the rain begins to come down and the dikes and the and the rivers overflow and ultimately the wind blows and the rain and it a happens great, and terrible the, cacophony. That's right. And the you know, the seas overflow mm-hmm. and before you know it, the, the world's, world's flooded. flooded. And it's then, remarkable how quickly that happens. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> That's the miracle. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. And then once everything, you know, and they stayed on the boat until every the waters receded. And then our hero, Utnapishtam, <laughs> sorry if I'm mispronouncing that to any ancient Sumerians who are out there. Listening. Yeah. He opened a any window. Any ancient Sumerian vampires out there? He opened a window and he felt the fresh air on his face. He fell to his knees and sat weeping, tears streaming down his face as he looked at the coastlines at the horizon and saw a region of land. And the boat lodged firmly on Mount Nemush which held the boat for several days, allowing no swaying. On the seventh day, he released a dove, which flew away 
but came back to him. He released a swallow, but it also came back to him. Eventually, he released a raven, which was able to eat and scratch and did not circle back to the boat. Ravens know what's up. That's right. And then he sent his livestock out in various directions to repopulate the world. But he did leave it because, you know, Ea and Mm -hmm. a couple of the other gods, you know, they had saved. Conspired. They conspired against the other gods to save humanity. They sacrificed sheep and offered incense at a mountainous ziggurat where he placed 14 sacrificial vessels and poured reeds, cedar, and myrtle into the fire. The gods smelled the sweet odor of the sacrificial animal and gathered like flies over the sacrifice. And then the great goddess arrived, lifted up her beads, and said... Ye gods, as surely as I shall not forget this lapis lazuli, the Uh, amulet, around my neck, I shall be mindful of these days and never forget them. The gods may come to the sacrificial offering, but Enlil may not come, because he brought about the flood and annihilated my people without considering the consequences. When Enlil arrived, he saw the boat and became furious at the other gods. And he said, where did a living being escape? No man was to survive this annihilation. Ninurta spoke to Enlil, saying, who else but Ea could do such a thing? It is Ea who knew all of our plans. Ea spoke to Enlil and said, it was you, the sage of the gods. How could you bring about a flood without consideration? Ea then accuses Enlil of sending a disproportionate punishment and reminds him of the need for compassion. Ea denies leaking the god's secret plan. (laughs) But he very definitely did leak the god's secret plan. To admitting only sending him a dream and deflecting Enlil's attention to the flood hero. (laughs) (laughs) The flood hero, though, however, and his wife are granted immortality and transported far, far away. Now, interestingly, there's actually a flood from Mesopotamia that happened before the Epic of Gilgamesh. Ah. So, where they also built an ark Uh or a big boat, right? So here's the fun part. You ready? Yep. This is the amazing thing. All three of those boats, mm-hmm. in total size, uh-huh. there's less than 4% difference between them. Whoa. Noah's Ark and Mesopotamian Ark mm-hmm. were both 14,400 cubits in total diameter. Diameter or width or square. Usapatumus. However you say it. Yeah, that him. Ark was 15,000 cubits. Wow. So just slightly bigger. Just a little, little 4% bit. 4% bigger. bigger. Mm-hmm. But there but you go. So it's, now, yeah. were you saying the one the the one is actually older than yeah. the yeah, so the, Mesopotamian, the Mesopotamian one comes from the 20th century BCE, okay. whereas and the story this, of Gilgamesh comes from about 7th century BCE. Correct. Okay. Although they have found fragments of that Gilgamesh story going back to about the 18th Further century back. BCE. So it was actually it must have been an oral tradition story passed down before it was written down. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Yeah, yeah. What's interesting to me is that so obviously whichever one of these was first mm-hmm. was the original story, right? right? Right. And then it was picked up and adapted by Various different cultures, right? Yep. right? Mm-hmm. What's fascinating to me is that I would expect there to be a lot more telephone happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I would expect there to be a lot more degradation in the details, especially from story to story. So it's very surprising and impressive that those details have been retained with such specificity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's very, very interesting. So much specificity. But anyway, I thought it was an interesting story. Yeah, and definitely. I, really, I like that. The Just the whole thing. I like the bit where Aya is in trouble with Enlil for... Right, right. And I'm sorry, and I is, got... is trying to be like, uh, no, the human did it. It was his fault the whole time. Just one other uh-huh. stupid... One other yeah, de- yeah. De- detail is that the Babylonian word, so that's the Epic of Gilgamesh, mm-hmm. for oblong boat is tubu. Okay. T-U-B-B-U. Okay. Okay. The Hebrew word for ark is tibu. Huh. Interesting. Which is T-E-V-A-H, but the V is pronounced as a B, as a B. in Hebrew. Well, let's not forget the Hebrews did spend time in Babylon. Right, mm-hmm. yep. Yeah, you know, so many, languages... Many, Many many years after the writing of the yeah. of the mm-hmm. Epic of Gilgamesh, and the the one other thing I'll add that when I was researching the epic, they were saying is that most I think most anthropologists or people that look into this kind of thing say chances are there was some kind of a flood. Yeah, at yeah. some point, so, at, at least covered, in the Fertile Crescent area, which, which covered the world that they knew. Exactly, which covered right. the world that they knew. Which covered all was, the places they'd ever been, right. and it was a disaster. Yeah, it was a, it was a huge disaster for the people living in that ecological time. catastrophe. But it was you know, but it was something that that they survived, and so the world was rebuilt. Yeah. Which is essentially what a cyclical narrative, narrative is, is yeah. for these kinds of epic, apocalyptic type tales. Yep. yep. So, also interesting. Kara's <laughs> got the interesting going on. Um, is that the word in the Bible, in the Hebrew, mm-hmm. for pitch, mm-hmm. which is what you sealed the ark right, with, right. is not the normal word used in Hebrew for pitch, but it's the Babylonian word yeah. for pitch. Yeah. The details because there's yeah. all this detail in about in how to the, build the boat, about how they built the boat, about how they sealed the boat. Right, yeah. They do the same thing in the Bible, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Because exactly. and and it must be because it all comes back from whatever this original Mesopotamian yeah. yep. story yep. was yep. being passed on with astonishing accuracy, astonishing yeah. accuracy from culture to culture. I think the only difference is that that in the biblical narrative, it's just Noah and his sons who build the boat right. instead of whereas. Uh, pitched him and a whole and a legion, whole of, legion craftsmen. of craftsmen, you <laughs> yeah. know, get together. And they do it really fast. They, I think in seven days this happened, mm-hmm. and in seven days that happened. And it's very rapid turnaround. Very rapid turnaround. It's amazing what you can accomplish when you know the world's about to be destroyed. Right. It took um, Noah 120 years to build the ark. Oh my gosh. I don't think it took. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't seem like it took Utnapishtim him nearly yeah, that long. If all of the end of the world talk is stressing you out, our Tiger Amanda is here to help with self-care and relaxation salts from Wonderful Body Co. These soaks and scrubs inspired by popular books and characters are designed to delight multiple senses with fragrant scents and sparkling mica. You can also find a small selection of rollerball fragrances. With a couple of dozen options available, you're sure to find something you'd like at Wonderful Body Co.'s collection. And since Ode writes these commercials and must represent house pride at every opportunity, the Slytherin bath salt gets a special shout-out as being spectacular green with notes of bergamot black tea. Find Wonderful Body Co. online at wonderfulbodyco.com or go directly to the shop at etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash wonderful body co. See, my lavender... Just uh, was it lavender? lavender and buttercream? Lavender and buttercream. It just does not get the respect 
But you, I love it. I'm actually out. You, I need to go you, order some more. You, you don't write the commercials. I, write the I commercials. know, but I'm going to give a shout out for the lavender buttercream because <laughs> it's awesome. Now I am going to tell you about Ragnarok. Ragnarok. We, we referred to it briefly in uh, the Litha episode because I wanted to scare some heathens. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're going to talk about the details of Ragnarok. So we're going to talk specifically, for the most part, about the prose edda version of Ragnarok. It's also it also features in the poetic edda, but the prose edda, although it adds some things that we're not sure where Snorri got them from, it does have a more like coherent narrative structure because the poetic edda didn't care about that. And we also don't have complete fragments of the poetic edda in, in all cases. So we're gonna go with the prose edda. Ragnarok begins is hailed by Fimbulventer, which is mighty winter. Mm. So for three winters, there will be no summers. There will be three years of nothing but winter. And with each successive winter, the snow and the ice and the hail and the winds will blow in from a different direction. That's like always winter and never Christmas. Always winter, never Christmas. Or always winter, never uh-huh. Yule in this case. Right. Winter is coming. So, <laughs> so Michigan. Michigan. <laughs> yes, accurate. Yes. yes, accurate. But no road construction season <laughs> during Fimbulletter because uh, all life is destroyed. Ooh. All living things die due to the intensity of Fimbulletter except two creatures, Lif and Lifthraser, which are life and life's lover, respectively. Makes sense. Who hide in Hodmimis Holt, which is probably another term for Yggdrasil, because Hodmimir is a horde mimir. Mimir is one of Odin's relatives who gets beheaded by the Vanir, and then they throw his head in a well so that it can continue to prophesy. Rude! And the well is at the the base of Yggdrasil, so... Yeah, like um, it is. <laughs> yeah, so, so horde mimir's hold, Hodmimir's holt, is Yggdrasil. So mm-hmm. uh, Lif and Lifthrasir hide in Yggdrasil and survive the winter that way. Mm. But they are the only human beings, and as far as we know, the only creatures who live on Midgard, who survive Fimbleventer. Mm. When you get to the third winter, when the third winter has passed, it's time for Ragnarok to go into full swing. The first thing that happens is that Sol and Mani, who have been pursued through the sky by the wolves Hati and Skull for centuries are finally caught and consumed by these wolves. Ooh. Hati and Skull are the children of Fenrir Silver. And so this is the, the very first sign that uh, everything's about to go wrong, because as soon as the lights go out of the sky, the earth essentially breaks. It starts rattling and trembling and shaking, and the mountains crack open, and all restraints, all bindings, break. Oh, no. Including the magical fetter which binds Fenrisulfur. So Fenrisulfur breaks free of his long confinement, and so too does Loki. Oh, shit's gonna go down, Mm -hmm. people. The earth is in catastrophe. There are no Mm. lights anywhere in the sky. Fenrisulfur is free and roaming the earth, and then the seas begin to rise. And out of the rising seas, as they consume the earth, rises Jormungandr, another of Loki's children. That's the big snake. The great serpent, yes. Jormungandr and Fenrisulfur advance together, side by side, as brothers towards Asgard. Fenrisulfur's mouth so wide open that his bottom jaw grazes the earth, his top jaw grazes the sky, and Jormungandr spitting venom and poison with his mouth also open as they advance towards the gods. Man, that's scary. I mean, she, and seriously. <laughs> <laughs> 
On the rising sea, the dead begin to sail as the ship Nagalfar, which is constructed from the fingernails of dead men, rises up out of hell, captained by the giant Hrimer and Loki himself, bearing with him the dead from his daughter's realm. See, this is all Loki's doing. This whole shit is going down because of Loki. I love it. Go ahead. And at the final moment, the sky splits open, cracks open, straight down the middle. And from the crack in the sky, which is Ymir's skull expanding out into the void, which contains, as we know, Niflheim and Muspelheim, Surtur, mm-hmm. and the sons of Muspel, the fire giants, advance across the Bifrost into our world, and as soon as they have crossed the Rainbow Bridge, it shatters, preventing anyone else from making passage in or out of Midgard. <laughs> Oh, he's having it. <laughs> oh, no. We should be doing this on YouTube, man. This child is like emoting. I'm, I'm like getting Almost like. Almost had spirit fingers. Right? Almost. It's awesome. Heimdall, who is the watchman of the gods, of course, is the first to see all of these advancing threats across the land in towards Asgard. So he blows Yalarhorn, which is the great horn that warns Asgard that enemies approach, which has not been needed since the time of the Aesir Vanir War. Mm. So as Heimdall blows Yalarhorn, all the gods prepare themselves for the battle that they have long known is coming because it was foretold. They all meet at the foretold place. There is a specific field that has been predicted as the battleground of Ragnarok, just outside of Asgard. Okay. They all line up. They all advance. Fighting begins. First, Garmer, who is the hellhound that has until now guarded the gate to hell, mm-hmm. but which broke free when all restraints were broken. Makes mm-hmm. sense. Attacks Tyr. Tyr lost his hand to Fenrisulfur ages ago when Fenrisulfur was first bound. With this handicap, Tyr is unable to prevent Garmer from killing him, but he manages to slay the beast with his final breath. Thor and Odin fight side by side, defending against Fenrisulfur and Jormagander, who are likewise side by side. Odin fights Fenrisulfur, but is completely overwhelmed. Fenrisulfur consumes him whole. Odin is only avenged by his son Vivar, the god of vengeance, the silent god, who until this day has had almost no task because, like his brother Vali, he was born for this purpose, to mm. get this vengeance. And he holds down Fenrir's bottom jaw and rips up his top jaw and splits him in half. Ooh. At the same time, Thor, who has just watched his father be consumed and destroyed by the wolf, mm-hmm. has been fighting Jormagander. Jormagander and Thor have had fights before, of mm-hmm. course, when mm-hmm. Thor went fishing. Right. Yeah. The epic <laughs> tale of Thor went fishing. Uh-huh. Check storytelling shenanigans. <laughs> So, in a much more dramatic fight now, Thor is able to slay Jormagander and finally cut down the serpent and prevent his poison from spreading into the rest of the world, Mm -hmm. but he takes only nine steps before he himself collapses, overcome by the serpent's venom. Oh no. His mighty hammer, Mjolnir, is left abandoned on the field. Loki and Heimdall, long enemies after an incident in which Loki stole Freya's necklace and Heimdall had to retrieve it, meet on the field of battle and slay each other within a single charge. And finally, Freyr, who has long been a god who stepped away from battle and who gave his sword away to his servant Skirnir in order to gain the hand of Gerda, his wife, steps to the front of the charge because 
all the other war gods are dead. Mm-hmm. And with a broken piece of antler tine, he attempts to defend against Surtur, the primordial fire god. That who, doesn't sound Who came good. from Muspelheim. And Surtur slays Freyr, and with no other competition, Surtur bathes the entire world in flame, destroying everything he touches. And that's it? Well... Just no. Here's the thing. <laughs> so Surtur has had his success. Mm-hmm. He's in fact, Surtur and, and the sons of Muspel are the only people who got out of this with no casualties. Right. <laughs> so they return to Muspelheim. They leave. And the seas recede and the earth is slowly revealed. And everything that the seas cover was safe from Surtur's fire. Mm. So the world remains green and fertile and growing with fields that sow themselves in the aftermath of this catastrophe and creeping out of the ruin Vidar and Vali who were two, hiding with the head of the with the head of Fenrir mm-hmm. in the halls of Asgard mm-hmm. survive the fire mm-hmm. and so they creep out to see if there's anybody else still around and they meet Modi and Magni Thor's sons who have retrieved the fallen hammer Mm -hmm. from the field of battle. See, somebody could touch it. From beside their father. And rising up from hell, returning to rule, come Baldr and Hodr. Ha-ha! Baldr, who died due to some shenanigans. (laughs) Caused uh, by Loki. Caused by Loki. Baldr, who died before all this happened, and who was therefore safe in Hell's Hall while it was going on. And Hodr, his brother, who was slain justly or unjustly by Vali, for kinslaying, mm-hmm. uh, returns with him. And they set up the a new council of gods, these survivors, mm-hmm. and creeping out of Yggdrasil, which of course cannot be touched by flame or flood, come Lif and Lifthraser, life and life's lover, mm-hmm. to repopulate the earth. I like it. Well, and it's like we were saying, you know, this is one of those cyclical tales where one world ends. Mm -hmm. A new world begins. A new world. It's not a continuation of the world with all the bad people gone. Mm -hmm. It's a complete new Uh, world. A new fresh start. It's a new fresh start with a brand new world, but still human beings to populate it. Yep. Would you like to tell an apocalypse story now? You know what? I'm not going to tell an apocalypse story right now. Okay. But I am going to talk because that's who I am as a person. That's fair. I have found a brief history of the apocalypse. Okay. Okay. A brief history of the Christian apocalypse. Okay. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. So I want to give you the dates that the world's going to end. Ah. Okay. Okay. I love this kind of stuff. All right. So according to Isaac Asimov's book of facts, which was published in 1979, Mm -hmm. the world actually ended in 2800 BC. Okay. So, in case you're wondering, that's we're the very living, first one. We're living in the post-apocalypse. Yes. Okay. Apocalyptic thinking gripped many ancient cultures, mm-hmm. including the Romans. Mm-hmm. Uh, early in Roman history, many Romans feared that the city would be destroyed in 120, okay. the 120th year of its founding. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And there was a myth that 12 eagles had revealed to Romulus a mystical number representing the lifetime of Rome. And some early Romans hypothesized that each eagle represented a... A d- decade. Years. Yep. The Roman uh, calendar was counted from the founding of Rome, so 1 A.C.U. Mm-hmm. being 753 B.C., mm-hmm. thus 120 A.C.U. or 643 B.C. would have been the end of the world. Oh, interesting. Okay. 
Okay. Jesus, of course, said that, Verily I say unto you, there will be some standing here which will not see a taste of death until they see the Son of Man coming into his kingdom, which implies that the second coming would return within the lifetime of some of his contemporaries. That didn't happen. And indeed, the apostles expected Jesus to return before the passing of their generation. So um, that would have been the first century. Uh, mm-hmm. Unless, unless there were vampire apostles. Right, which sure. is possible. Which is possible. Hilary of Potiers predicted the world would come to an end in 365 AD. Okay. The donations, a North African Christian sect, looked forward to the world ending in 380 AD. Looked forward to. (laughs) (laughs) Well, see, a lot of these uh, Christian sects do look forward to the end of the world, because that means the coming of Christ and the establishing of the kingdom of God. Right. You know, heaven on earth. St. Martin of Tours wrote in the late 4th century that there is no doubt that the Antichrist has already been born, firmly establishing already his early years. He will, after reaching maturity, achieve supreme power. Did you just call that man Satan of Martin? No, Saint Martin of Tours. Okay. okay. Satan of Martin. Apollodius, <laughs> <laughs> the Bishop of Toledo, described a brief bout of end time panic that happened on Easter's Eve in 793. Yeah. I wonder what spawned that. Uh, a Spanish monk named Betis of Libinia. So he said, let's eat and drink so that we will die well fed. So oh eat, boy. Drink, and be merry, basically. Yep, yep. Oh boy, that's a way to get some people spooked out. Mm hmm. Bishop Gregory of Tours, apparently Tours, Tours. which is in France, is where everybody had freaked out. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Bishop Gregory of Tours calculated that the end occurred between 799 and 806. It's all the very good wine there. Well, mm-hmm. it could be. That's true. Yeah, uh, I'm impressed that these people are able to get to, like, real specific years. Mm-hmm. I right. would be tempted to, like, round. Well, didn't you know the world ended a couple of years ago? 2012. According yeah. to somebody. Yeah. Paranoia was around the year 1000. Okay. Uh-huh. Right. Which makes sense. Yeah, right. Millennium. Right. Millennium. Millennium. Yep. We experienced the same thing. And, yeah, in 2000. Pope Innocent III. Mm-hmm. Expected the second coming of Christ to take place in 1284, 666 years after the rise of Islam. Aha! Aha! <laughs> That's as good a reason as any, I guess, to, to make a prediction. Sure. <laughs> at least it's internally consistent. Right, right? yeah, exactly. I'm skipping a bunch at least of that, At least that one had an ex- like a reasoning. Frequently, many of these are like, it'll be exactly this year. Why? I don't know. It just seemed like a nice number. <laughs> The end of the world would occur by flooding starting in London okay. on February 1st, Julian, in 1524, according to calculations by London astrologers. Did London flood then? Uh, no. Bummer. But 20,000 people Bummer. did abandon I mean, no, no, no offense to London. I just think that would have been a nice coincidence. <laughs> Around 20,000 people did abandon their homes. Oh. There's always Clergymen stockpiled yeah. food and water in a fortress he built. Yeah. Well, that is a continuation. Doomsday prepping. Yeah, there's yeah. been doomsday. There are still people doomsday prepping right now. Yeah. It makes me really sad, though, when someone, like, makes a prediction, like, in the next six months, the world's yeah. going to end. Mm-hmm. And then everybody freaks out and, like, destroys their lives trying to plan. Mm-hmm. For it. That makes me really sad. Oh, well, in 1999, it was ridiculous yeah. what happened. Uh, Quinn Ann grew up in a prepper household. I literally was told that at any moment the government was going to come for us. Living a young life in fear like that really fucked with my head. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah, I imagine it would. Yeah, I imagine it would. I'm so sorry. 1972. Okay. Mm-hmm. Herbert W. Armstrong. 
Right. At his third rapture prediction. Right. <laughs> You'd think by the third time around, no one would be listening anymore. 1973, yeah. David Berg, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Moses David, guru of the children of God, mm-hmm. which is actually where uh, River and uh, Joaquim and the Phoenixes were right, part their of that. Family yep, their family were a part, part of that. that whole thing. So he predicted that in 1973. He also predicted it in 1974, in 1975. <laughs> he just kept adding it. Well, it didn't happen this year. Next year. Next year. Next year. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime Next now. Year. Really, any day. <laughs> Anytime. 1975 was also the end of the world according to Jehovah's Witnesses. Okay. Herbert W. Armstrong's rapture prediction number four happened in 1975. <laughs> and the rapture uh, end time preacher Charles Taylor said, which was 1975. Charles Taylor then went around and said, okay, it was 1976. I must confident <laughs> by you. That, that always seems to be the case. And what Just did daddy, he say when 76 came along? That's okay. Charles Taylor's third prediction was 1980. <laughs> Added a few years this time. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. Uh, it's not, but it's like, it's funny, but it's also like it's right. depressing. It's yeah. Because like, like, like Quinn Ann was, was saying, saying, yeah. You know, she lived in fear because her parents took these kinds of of they the they were worried yeah. about the government. They were but, worried yeah. about the government, but it's that same idea. Mm-hmm. People are worried that there an end of some kind is not yeah. whether it's the government or natural disaster or the coming of the of Christ or yeah. whoever or the Antichrist or whatever. A Ragnarok. A Ragnarok. <laughs> you know, it, it there's it inspires fear so that people aren't actually living their life in freedom. They're they're living their life in fear, and that's yeah. not cool. So in 1981, mm-hmm. the Reverend Sh- Sun Yin Moon, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the moon. Predicted that the world would end in 1981. Charles Taylor had his fourth prediction. (laughs) Oh, Chuck. Chucky Taylor. I mean, you've got to give him credit for for effort. Right, yep. He kept trying. Pastor Chuck Smith of Calvary Chapel also had his very first ending of the world. I'm sure there's a And he arrived at this calculation by adding 40 years, one biblical generation, to 1948. The year of Israel's statehood and subtracting seven for the tribulation. There's a lot of crazy math that goes on for these things. Quinn Ann says uh, Taylor's persistent. Yeah. Yes, yeah. 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 Very persistent. Very persistent. 1982, Charles Taylor made his fifth. Oh my oh God! Oh my God! <laughs> Charles, enough! <laughs> Charles, you're not good at apocalypse math. Move on to something else. Move on, move on, man. In uh, 1982, actually in the 70s, Pat Robertson of the 700 Club <laughs> predicted that May of 1982 would be the end. Yep, still of the world. still here, Pat. Still kicking. Yep, still kicking. Um, so see, 19, <laughs> 1983 was Charles Taylor's sixth. sixth. Prediction. Oh Jeezy crazy. You know, it gets to the 1985 point. was his son. Oh my prediction. god. Okay, it just gets to the point where it's embarrassing. <laughs> I'm just saying. 1986? You want to take a guess? Oh my god, was it his eighth prediction? It was prediction? Indeed his eighth prediction. 1987? His ninth? His ninth Holy prediction. Holy shit. Yeah. So, 1988 was Hal Lindsey's The Late Great Planet Earth. Oh, yeah, I read that book. And his reasoning was that it had been 40 years, one biblical generation, after Israel gained statehood. It was also the 10th prediction of Charles Taylor. (laughs) (laughs) It was the third prediction of Canadian Doug Clark. Doug Clark has got shit on on Charles Taylor. What I'm I'm getting from this Nobody's going to beat Charles Taylor's record. So, I'm going to give you the dates that are in the future now. Okay, good. You ready? George Madray predicted on Yom Kippur Purasa that it would be September 28th, 2020. How do these people get... I don't know. The real specific date. All right, so... I don't know, but James Harmon, his fourth rapture prediction is 2022. I'm not worried, are you? <laughs> 
Ian Gurney predicts in his book, The Cassandra Prophecy, Armageddon Approaches, that the final date, Judgment Day, the end of mankind's planet on, on this earth, is less than 20 years away from 2001, which would be 2023. Way to steal Greek mythology's right? Right. Cassandra for your, for yeah. your judgment um, yep. pronouncement. Joanne Chenault, a frequent poster on Usenet, okay. believed that the rapture would happen in 2025. Okay. Uh, Quinn uh, Ann says, maybe they think that if they keep guessing, they'll be right just on random chance. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. According to an article published in Science Magazine in 1960, uh-huh. the date the world's population would reach infinity, and as a result of the so-called doomsday equation, is November 13th, 2026. Yeah, that's based on um, a misapplication of population theory, but yes. yes. 2033 uh-huh. will be the 2000th anniversary of the crucifixion, except that that's not right either because he wasn't born in zero, but right. whatever. Right. <laughs> in a book called The Glory of God, psychic Gene Dixon. Oh, that's not surprising. Yep, wrote that the years 2020 to 2037 hail the true second coming of Christ. Wow, that's a long span. Range. Right. Uh, that's 17 smart. 17 years. See, that's smart. You give a range, give a and range. then if the world dies anywhere in that time, you were right. You were right. Pyramidologist Max Toth predicts that the physical incarnation of Je- reincarnation okay. of Jesus Christ occurring in 2040. So reborn as a baby? Yes. Because that's reincarnation. Yep. Right? That's so then we got another, you know, 20 years or so until he's useful. Right, yep. Right. All right. And futurist John Smart of Acceleration Watch estimates that the technical singularity will take place around the year 2040. When oh, technology that's... advances to asystematic levels after this apocalyptic event, a new era of balance and compassion will begin. Yeah, see, I don't, is I, coming. See, I don't see, <laughs> I, I don't see why the technological singularity has to be a bad thing. No. I mean, I already want computers to run most of my life, so. Unless it's Skynet. In 4,500,000 AD, the sun will swell into a giant red star swallowing Mercury, Venus, Earth, and perhaps Mars. That is going to be the true end of the world. Yeah, that's science. Mm-hmm. Yep. Y'all, I think we're okay. <laughs> Just saying. Unless you have, unless you're a vampire and you got four billion years worth of plans, I, I think we're good. We're good. Yeah. We're good. Yep. So. All right. For some post-apocalyptic crafts, our tiger Lorelei from the Georgia-based shop Otherworld Creations which fits. You can use it even after the apocalypse. <laughs> That's right. This shop features jewelry, altarpieces, devotional art, and decorative items fashioned out of bone, teeth, jaws, and fur of departed creatures. Lorelei believes that these remains have their own energy and spirit the same way that plants and stones do, and that these can be tapped into and worked with. Most of the remains used in other world creations are found already dead, and some are traded from hunters who would otherwise discard the remnant. You can follow Otherworld Creations on Instagram at Otherworld underscore Creations Co. Or find them on Facebook. Or contact them at OtherworldCreationsCo at gmail.com for inquiries or commissions. Spectacular. Since we're living that's in it. several post-apocalypse. Right. Yeah. Yes. I mean, oh it's, it's like perfect. Yeah, you, that's perfect. Post-apocalyptic crafts. Right there. We're Lorelei's here. Already there you go. Yep. yep. We're, we're in like... We're, we're 3,000 like simultaneous post-apocalypses, so... Right? Yep. Right? We're good. Gotta get your post-apocalypse chic going. Right, right, exactly. Before we do anything else, though, I think yes. it's time for... It's time for Review trying to like cue him to stop she's making like throat cutting gestures it was great 
Again, the things you miss when we're not on YouTube. <laughs> right. You've been spoiled now by watching the streams. Just use your imagination. Just, a, you can just, see their just extrapolate the hand gestures based on what you saw on the streams. That's right. Now, this is a review that we've been looking forward to yes. doing for yeah, several weeks so. now. Yes. Yep. This product comes to us from Rana's husband. Yep. It is Symbolry Designs. And Rana is one of our patrons. Mm-hmm. Yep. Who is not actually live with us in the stream right now. No, nope. which is hysterical. Which is, which is yeah, really which is funny. hilarious. But they sent us a whole bunch oh my of gosh. incense. Like seven of their regular line, and then they also sent us the uh, the new blend, yeah. which I forget what they named it. It didn't have a name at, at the, the time, time they received yep. it. But oh my goodness, you guys, this incense is just wonderful. Yeah. So it is custom blended, hand-dipped incense. It comes in sticks. And in cones. It's really, really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Quinn Ann says uh, she thinks that... Enchanted. That it was I enchanted. Right. And I, I think, think that's right. right. I think that's correct. The thing about these incenses, and I believe his name is actually Chris. I don't know. He has such a subtle way of blending these incenses. These fragrances. These fragrances yeah. to create something that's not overpowering that, not um, overly flowery. Not overly yeah. flowery. It it fragrances the entire room. But in a very light in way. In a light and subtle way that lasts for a very long time. I did incense in here, what, maybe two hours ago? Yeah. Yep. And, and it's, it's still just such a it light... It still smells nice in here, but not overpowering. Yep, and I use Tranquility in here. Mm-hmm. But they, they're not they're not very floral, like Carr said. And they don't have that perfumey quality that yep. some stick right. incenses have. Yep. And Gwen has even burned the patchouli and... And yes. Whatever one. I, and believe I haven't it's patchouli died. and sandalwood. Yeah. yeah. And Carr's been fine with it. I, I haven't died, it yeah. Multiple times. And the first time he didn't even notice that I was yeah. burning the patchouli and yeah. sandalwood. Yeah. I told him, and he was like, Really? I said, Yeah. Because it's so subtle. They blend. And I said, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a very good story, but yeah. <laughs> this stuff is very good, and the prices are incredibly reasonable. Yep. And Symbolry is on Etsy. Yep. The great thing is, not only did he send us a bazillion packages, a trillion, okay, a million. that's a that's hyperbole. <laughs> he sent us about eight packages. But there are of so incense. many sticks in each package. You get about twenty five, twenty four yeah. to twenty five sticks. I think it's twenty five sticks it per package. And he sent us an incense burner yes. made from a wine bottle. Yeah, yeah. these are really it, fascinating. These are their custom wine bottle incense burners. And apparently he has experimented with different types and sizes mm-hmm. and, and heights of bottles until he found just the perfect one. The one he sent to us is red, but yep. on the Etsy store, the colors to choose from are blue and green. Yep. Okay. And then he created himself. He created the top. Yeah, it's um, like a keychain essentially stuck into a a cork into the cork, and then there's the holder part where you put the stick incense mm-hmm. and it hangs down into the bottle. Inside the bottle, yeah. And then the bottle, the smoke inside the bottle just kind of wafts yeah. up and very gently wafts out of the top of the bottle. It's everywhere. Every, everywhere. And I think that's why it diffuses so yeah. smoothly. And it's so much cleaner yeah. than using oh. any other kind of burner. Any other kind of incense burner, you're going to get ash everywhere. Like, even in a coffin, trying to clean a coffin is a nightmare. And ultimately, with the coffins, they get the resin and the blackened on the top, and they get sticky, and you ultimately have to replace them. You don't have that problem with the bottle. You just pour out the ash, you, you know, rinse it it out, out, let it dry, and then you're good to go. You're good to go with new incense. It's great. They're so smart. It's a beautiful idea. I love it. And it, honestly, I think it's perfect for these incenses. Mm -hmm. The other thing I noticed in comparing Symbolry 
Marie's incense sticks mm-hmm. to the other ones that I've purchased. Yep. They're a little bit longer. They're a yeah. little bit longer. And they're also, I've been super impressed with these. They are nice slow burn, too. They're very, like, regular. Uniform. Yeah, yes. they're very uniform. A lot of times with a hand-dipped incense like this, you'll get, like, a really bulky stick. Right. Or one or that's really, really irregular. Yeah, really thin. Or one that's really irregularly formed. Mm-hmm. And these incenses are so regular and consistent they're all the same color, so you can't, like, take them out of the bags if you want to be able to identify them. You'll have to right. leave them in their bags. They're so regular and consistently shaped and sized. It's great. Yeah, it's Symbolry. So I'm going to actually spell it. You can get them at www.symbolry, S-Y-M-B-O-L-R-Y, designs, D-E-S-I-G-N-S, dot com. And you can also go to Etsy. Yeah. And just search Symbolry Designs at Etsy, and it'll take you right to the store. I really highly recommend these. These are probably the finest stick incenses. Yeah. I haven't even tried the, the cone yet. Yeah, because yeah. Because I've been so enthralled. I, I'll be she's I didn't been, even know they sent us cones. Yeah, they did. She's, have, she's been burning this incense pretty much two or three times a day since we got them. Yep. We've had them for several weeks now, and I have literally been burning them Probably once in the morning, once in the evening. And occasionally just an and extra just one. just for the fun of it during the day. Because I just, it makes the house smell so good. Relic says he likes to save the ashes from his incense to use in the ink he uses to make his sigils. So they sound nice since they're easy to clean. Yeah, that, uh, it's definitely way easier to get yeah. your ashes. I save my ashes too to use for various things. And it's definitely way easier to save the ashes out of a bottle exactly. than it is out of... You just dump them out. Because otherwise, that ash goes everywhere. You're mm-hmm. like scraping it up off the carpet with a spoon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. This is way better. So there are they are $5 a package. Yep. Excellent. Which That's is so That's cheap. so yep. reasonable for the amount of incense you get in one package. Mm-hmm. And there are, looks like eight different kinds. Yeah, eight mm-hmm. blends. And you can get the entire package. Yeah, the whole set. The entire set. collection. For fifty dollars, and that includes free shipping. But the incense uh, burners the incense are twenty dollars. Bur- is twenty two dollars. Twenty two dollars. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And then you can also custom order stuff. And then there's he also has an incense oil. Oh, that's uh, right. I'd forgotten that. Yeah. To go on the uh, oil the diffusers. Little oil diffusers. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Very nice. Very so, nice. So, and you can select any of those eight different scents for that as well. All I can say about Symbolry Designs is that this gentleman is a true craftsman. Mm-hmm. And I may never use any other stick incense ever again. Yeah, so we really recommend this incense. Yep. Yes, okay. we do. Highly recommend it. Get some. You'll love it. That's it for review. <laughs> Gwen started buffing her nails. <laughs> And Carl lost his composure. I was trying really hard not to look. I was looking away, but I could uh-huh. see it in my peripheral yeah. vision. It's like buffing her Dang nose. It. Yeah. All right, that's it for reading. <laughs> All right, Gwen, you got another apocalypse to tell us about? Yes, I do. Okay. Now, in Hinduism, they believe that the earth has basically been formed and unformed unformed through destructive means 
three or four times already. Mm-hmm. They they have this, and I I can't even begin to explain it. There's the complex this complex cosmology, complex yeah. cosmology. But um, basically, we are right now, according to the Hindu t- tradition, we are in what is known as the Kali Yuga, and the Kali that they're mentioning that they mean it that does not mean the goddess. Mm-hmm. It is actually a demon of destruction. Okay. So we are in the time of Kali Yuga, which is the fourth stage of the world, and it means strife, discord, quarrel, contention. Mm-hmm. So it's a, a struggling kind mm-hmm. of time. This That's is a difficult what, world. This is a difficult world. This is one of the fourth generations or ages of the, and this is the Kali Yuga. Did they and, see 45 coming? Uh-huh, <laughs> maybe. So anyway, the, the idea is that at the end of the Kali Yuga, the 22nd incarnation of Vishnu will arrive, okay. and his name is Kalki. Okay. All right. And the Kalki will come like a comet carrying a terrifying sword, which they call Parabrahman. Okay. Uh, while riding atop a white horse. Mm. Okay. And so let me tell you the story. Yes, I've got tell me this. the tale. Yes, it's actually quite beautiful. Tell, tell me the tale of Kalki. Okay. At the end of the age, the Lord of the universe will mount his swift horse. Davadada, his noble white steed, and he will ride down from heaven brandishing the weapon of Parabrahman, the fiery sword. Mm-hmm. With this sword, Kalki will slay the millions, they're thieves and, mm. and evil people, these right. millions of thieves the and evil people, the corrupt, who have dared to dress as kings. They have basically been laying claim to that which they have not earned. Okay. The Kalki will come and he will destroy all of these. And those who have been holy in these dark days will emerge from hiding in the wilderness and in the caves. And they will bless the Kalki, the, the name of the, of the High Lord, mm-hmm. who, uh, who will then usher in another age, the Satya Yugi, the age of truth. And righteousness. Oh, so we got a good world coming. Got a good world coming. Just got to get through this one. Got to get through the Kali Yugi. Interesting. Yeah. So I thought that was do very they interesting. Do a time frame? No, they really don't. Well, actually, they, I take that back. They do, but I'm not going to even attempt to discern it. A lot of math. <laughs> a lot of math. And it, like I said, they're co- the Hindu cosmology is just very, very complex and ornate and mm-hmm. beautiful. And it's just... It's layered. really layered. There's very, I mean, I'm just giving a very brief little, quite a beautiful image that, you know, when you see it represented in paintings and, and things well, like that. Well, and that makes sense because it sounds like he's less a world destroyer and more a world fixer. Yeah, he's basically, that's what it is. He's <laughs> taking all the corruption and the evil from uh-huh. the world and leaving those who were living a holy life yeah. and elevating them into that's a place neat. that's uh, full of truth and, and uh, yeah. justice and that's things like that it's actually a really beautiful story yeah. but again that's they they have these different ages right and they all have different and we've been through three so far yeah and, and we're in the middle of the we're fourth in the, we're in the middle shitty of the fourth one. yeah yeah so anyway that's awesome that's yeah. hindu is the the very basic hindu right the, what else do you have what else do i have well 
I decided I wasn't going to tell like a myth myth for my second one okay. because Ragnarok is pretty involved and I wanted to spend most of my time on that. But, to the surprise but. of no one, yeah. to the surprise of no one, but I did want to talk about something called the Big Freeze, also known as the heat death of the universe. And this is a science concept. It's a theory about what the end of the universe as we understand it might look like depending my on... face, Ode. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Bill. Um, <laughs> it's a theory about what the end of the universe might look like based on currently understood science. Gotcha. The Big Freeze with Heat Death uh, relies on a Big Bang having happened okay. and on an expanding universe. So the universe, as far as we can tell, seems to be expanding and we can't tell if it's ever going to stop expanding. It might just keep expanding forever, infinitely into the void. Expand. Right, because that's the nature of the universe, as far as we can tell. This is distinct from what's called a steady state universe, which is a universe that, like, always existed and sort of spontaneously regenerates the stuff it needs to keep going. Okay. In a Big Bang universe, the universe was originally a very, very dense, very, very hot thing. Right. And exploded out into an expanding universe, and it had only the heat and energy that it started with, and it's not acquiring anymore. Right. Right? So, uh, the second law of thermodynamics states that entropy tends to increase in a closed system, because hot things spread heat to cold things until they reach equilibrium, right? Right. Mm-hmm. If you put a hot thing in a cold room, the heat leaches out from the hot thing into the cold room, warms the ambient the ambient temperature mm-hmm. right. until they are both the same temperature. Right. Right. In a closed system, that's how heat works. Heat is energy, and you need energy to perform work. So the idea is that if the universe is a closed system, which we can't confirm, nope. but... Or deny. Or deny, or deny, because, you know, what would be outside the universe? We don't know. We don't know! We, don't know. we can't tell! <laughs> but if the universe is a closed system and it continues to expand, mm-hmm. that increases the natural entropy of the universe because because of the second law of thermodynamics, heat and energy are being spread over wider and wider spaces. There's a finite amount of heat and energy. So eventually you reach this perfect equilibrium where no work can take place because no energy can be exchanged because everything is the same temperature, right? Mm-hmm. The same okay. energy equivalency. Okay. In that situation, what happens is, theoretically, the universe just kind of winds down like a clock running out of energy until it's at a state of perfect rest, which is functionally death because nothing can happen anymore. All life requires some kind of work. Some kind of energetic. Some kind of energy. Mm -hmm. And since there can be no work performed and no energy generated because everything is perfectly Mm -hmm. equal and we've Mm -hmm. reached a maximum entropy for this system, Mm -hmm. the universe just stops. Would it not be, as it starts to kind of cool, Mm -hmm. wouldn't then something put work in to make it warmer again? No. So the idea is there's an there's a finite amount of energy. There's no energy oh, for it to okay. regenerate. Yeah. So until until and unless we find and there are theories about this that like maybe by the time this is becoming a problem because this isn't something that would become a problem until many 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 many, many, many hundreds of billions of years after the sun explodes and right. destroys our solar system. Gotcha. Um, we'll be long gone. Right. The thought is maybe by that point there will be some 
sentient species in the universe, probably not us, but somebody, mm-hmm. who will have figured out a way to generate new energy. Right. Gotcha. But unless a way is discovered to generate new energy somehow, which would require us to have a different understanding mm-hmm. of the way the universe works, right. eventually that finite amount of energy we'll just... it will be spread so thin through the expanded universe that it just there will be nothing for it to move into and out of. Kind gotcha. of like a candle that just basically drowns in its wax. Sort of. Sort of? Yeah. That idea. Okay. So it's just the universe, <laughs> it's essentially just the universe stretching itself out so, so thin, thin. It has nothing right. else it can do. Yep. Yeah. It doesn't like necessarily snap back. Right. Because there's no energy for it to do that. Exactly. Gotcha. <laughs> and then I did want to address, because I think you had said this to Phyllis the other day and you're about, all, the about you know, the world will go on. The planet. The planet right. will go on without us. And that's true. It will. Something, I think, will take over. Whether it's the... Right. It won't be any species that are currently existing. Yeah. I don't probably. think it'll be... I think if we take ourselves out, we're taking the other species with us. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Probably before us. Yes. Yeah. Chances are. On the way. Yeah. Yeah. On the way. But yeah, uh, we're in a good position here in the universe with our sun. Mm-hmm. So yes, probably if we do end up destroying our existing ecosystem mm-hmm. and the world has to regenerate and start over from scratch, yeah, probably eventually something else and will come And so back. I think just from that, uh, that just kind of continues the idea of the thing. cycle yeah. of destruction, birth, rebirth, life, right. death, rebirth, that whole I mean, we've already kind of rebirth. had that to mm-hmm. a lesser extent in that dinosaurs don't exist anymore. Exactly. Right. We, all of the all of those prehistoric animals yeah. that don't exist anymore because the, the planet became ecologically unsuitable for them after some kind of catastrophe. We don't yeah. know exactly what. And there we, was a catastrophe of some kind that made the, the planet unsuitable for those species, mm-hmm. and new species survived and rose to mm-hmm. to where we are now. Yep. And, the, and we had an ice age that mm-hmm. changed the, the way yes, the there Earth are. was, so going, and those who lived in that era. <laughs> going back to Ragnarok <laughs> yeah, a little yeah. bit, Fimblevinger, uh, Mighty Winter, they think uh, was the root of that idea, came mm. from the uh, extreme weather conditions in Scandinavia in the 500s mm-hmm. when there was an extremely strong but relatively localized ice age gotcha. uh, that hit the northern part of the planet and really crushed Scandinavia, which prior to that had been a much more temperate much more area. Temperate. There was a very extreme shift in weather yeah. Yeah. and climate in that part of the world. And so they think that's where a mighty winter came from. And the idea of just successive mm-hmm. winters with no summer in between destroying like yeah. large segments of the population. So I, I do think that the earth naturally goes through these cycles. The, I think the, the right. danger that we are facing now We've accelerated is that it. we have accelerated it for yep. ourselves in the, just the last 150 years. Yeah. When it's the end of the world as you know it. Oh no. And you feel fine. <laughs> I love that It song. might be time for a spot of tea from our tiger crystal from Apothecary Teas. This shop produces fragrant, aesthetically beautiful teas that delight the senses with handcrafted tea blends from white to red to green. To celebrate the world ending in fire, consider Campfire Tea, a Russian black tea infused with the smoky allure of the campfire, spiced up with some cinnamon, clove, and safflower. Find them at apothecaryteastore.com or on Facebook at Apothecary Teas LLC. I like writing these commercials, can you tell? <laughs> Car has one more apocalypse story That's to right. tell us. And it's not really an apocalypse story, no. though, kind of. 
So this does come from Irish mythology. Bob. Bob. Really freaking hard to say. Say B-A-D-B to yourself. And yeah, you but know see, it is. this here is a thorn, so yes, it should be pronounced like a th. <laughs> so I think it's bad. There you go. Anyway, who is one part of the uh, war goddess known as the Three Morgana. Or the Morgan? Yes. And so what I'm going to read you is... Following the defeat of the Fomorians mm-hmm. by the Tuatha de Danann at the Second Battle of Magturid. Okay. All right. She sings a prophecy. Is... Right, because poetry, music, mm-hmm. and prophecy are all That's like right. the same thing in Celtic Correct. lands. Yeah. Right. So the prophecy is peace up to heaven, heaven down to earth, earth beneath heaven, strength in each, a cup very full, full of honey, meat in abundance, summer and winter. And then... Excuse me, that doesn't sound too bad. (laughs) And then it goes, I shall not see a world which is dear to me. Summer without blossom. Cattle without milk. Women without modesty. Oh, that's bad. (laughs) Men without valor. Conquests without a king. Hmm. Woods without mast. Sea without produce. False judgments of old men. False precedents of lawyers. Every man a betrayer, every son a reaver. The son will go to bed with his father, and the father will go to bed with his son, each his brother's brother-in-law. He will not seek any woman outside of his house. An evil time. Son will deceive his father. Daughter will deceive. Whoa. Yeah. So it's pretty like... Bad and ominous. Yes. All this great stuff, and then oh, shit. And then doom. Doom. That's interesting that she starts, though, with like... Everything's Happy sunshine. Fun time. Right, yeah, yep. And Happy now you're enjoying. fucked. Yeah, Fuck. exactly. Oh, every disease and every vengeance basically will be with, will lay the world to waste. That's not very kind, Bapt. No. no. <laughs> well, it's a prophecy. Maybe that's she doesn't have anything to do with it. Maybe it's just, just be glad I didn't try to do it in Gaelic. Uh, yeah. So that's the end of the episode. Thank you guys very much. The world's gonna end. As you know it. But we feel fine. <laughs> Red Dirt Druid asks, does anybody hear that battle horn? No? Just me then? (laughs) (laughs) You can find us on everywhere. (laughs) You can freaking find us everywhere. If you can find a place you can't find us, email me. But how do you email me? You email me at car at the number three pagans and a cat dot com. Anyway, anywhere you want to find us. Right. You can find us at three pagans and a cat dot com. The number, the number three, three pagans, pagans and, and a cat, cat dot com. com. You can find us on Facebook, YouTube. Twitter, we have a Instagram. red bubble. We got a range um, of things. And you usually find all of those links listed on, on the, the episodes. episode, the yep. individual episodes. So. Yep. All right. All right. Peace out. It. Goodbye. Okay, turn off the recording. Turn I'm it. Turning off now. The no, oh, no. The oh, thing's too far away. Oh, no. It's Gwyn has to turn it off I this have time. To do it. Oh, no. Press the button. Pre- press, press the, press the, press the, the stop. 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 Yes, that one. Yes, that one. You've been listening to Three Pagans and a Cat. Find out more information at www.threepagansandacat.com.